Welcome to Movies with Issues, a spin-off of the Comic Book Pit podcast. I'm Jeremiah. I'm Dan. That's Dan. Uh, <laughs> we're here to talk about comic book movies that aren't so super. Uh, every episode, we'll take turns picking a back issue flick and talk about what works, what doesn't, and uh, what makes it forgettable in a lot of the times. Uh, but before I get to, before I forget about uh, what's forgettable and isn't, uh, I want to introduce this week's guest, and that is Casey Arn. Hi, it's me, Casey Arn. Yay! Yes. Hey, Welcome. We have a guest, it's real. Well, I wouldn't say I'm real, but <laughs> real enough, real enough. Real enough. Uh, well, last week, uh, Dan chose 1998's made-for-TV Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, we ultimately liked it. Yes. Uh, check that episode out in the comic book pit feed. And uh, this week, I chose, or this month, this episode, whichever, uh, I chose 2003's Mediocre Misfire, uh, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And uh, we found, I found out very soon into, uh, for those of you who might not know, uh, Casey is my girlfriend. Hello. And um, that's her misfortune. But we found <laughs> out very soon into this that somehow you had never seen this movie before and you're like a huge, like this sort of thing should be your jam. It's like the the, the mummy, Van yeah, Helsing. I was going to say, I've seen this, I, I just said this damn before we started the week. I feel like I've seen this movie in so many different parts over the years and I finally put all the parts together and watched it the whole way through and uh, and yeah it was it was something I honestly, <laughs> I honestly can't think what the last time I saw this movie was like maybe even 10 years ago uh, Dan um, how how often have you watched this prior to the, the rewatch for the podcast I've seen it exactly one time in the movie theater and I think it was it was definitely a like a free preview like a screening or something and i also wonder if i saw a different version because i have a very vivid memory of a specific scene that that it, it's not this doesn't happen until i'd say halfway through the movie so i'll save it but okay and again this is 18 years ago, so my memory could be playing tricks on me, but I have a very specific memory, and it did not appear in the version of the movie that I watched. So that's very oh, strange. Uh, how did you how did you watch this? By the way, we used Amazon Prime. Yeah, so so I have a so it's, I wouldn't call it a story, but more of a uh, an annoyance with with this <laughs> uh, leading up to you know preparing for. Uh, this ep- the, you know this conversation to, to watch the movie, I scoured all the streaming services and I could not find it uh, to stream for free except to bu- you know yeah. buy or to rent. So to rent it just for twenty four hours or forty eight hours or whatever it was three ninety nine. Well, I found it. I found the DVD for three ninety nine at uh, one of the local uh, record exchange stores or the exchange. Oh. Um, so I figured, okay, for four bucks, I'll buy it rather than, cause I know I'm going to have to watch it more than once. Cause I always watch it once just to watch it. And then I watch it again to take notes. So okay, and you don't want to like shotgun it, but, and, and just like, yeah. oh, I've only got four hours to watch this twice. Right. There's no way I could sit down and watch it 
<laughs> it, it it would take a it would take a like a, a that's a superhuman feat to watch this movie back to back. So um so yeah, I knew I was going to need more time. So I'm like, okay, I'll just buy the DVD. I'll suck it up. It's four dollars. Well, today I'm I'm on the uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen IMDb page, and I see watch it for free on Prime. Oh, I'm like, the best way to watch this movie is free, to be honest. <laughs> and I'm like, you gotta be effing kidding me. Well, I even uh, didn't figure that out until after I had rented it through Prime as well. So that must um, be it, 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 Prime must have just made it available within up the past week or or less because I swear I even looked for it again because I was too lazy to dig out an old laptop that had a DVD player in it to, to watch it. <laughs> and I, I eventually did because I still, again, I, I'm like, well, I can't, I know I wasn't going crazy. I can't find it anywhere for free to watch. I wouldn't be surprised if it ended up being like an algorithm of because the three of us looked at the IMDb page, it was like, oh my god, it's jumping like eight hundred percent of notability, and then they threw it on you're, for free. You're gonna honor April Fool's week, and we were the we were the fool. You're, you're gonna see League of Extraordinary Gentlemen trending on Twitter now. Oh my god! Restore well, the the league. I actually, first. it's funny because as, as you guys are saying this it becomes even more ridiculous that I have not seen this movie um, ever in its entirety because I own this movie. Yeah, I know you do. I, That's it, what's yeah, confusing my, about this. I just recalled it's on my shelf and I have like, a DVD. I'm staring at it right it. now. Yeah, and I, I picked it up because it was one of those things that was in a $5 bin or something. So I, I think I paid even even more for it horribly. Um, and uh, and it just kind of... Oh, and you there it is. Yes, my copy. Yep. There oh, yours is. looks like it's got that metallic. Yours, uh, mine doesn't have the metallic. Yeah, it's got it's got like some it, like the case is like gold or something or. Oh wow! They, I think it's real. It's that's, real gold. Yeah. That's the thing that's really amazing Still about plated. this. Yeah, is, check it. Yep. But the teeth check. Real quickly before we talk about the the movie, I just want to touch on two important parts. Um, one. Uh, Fox clearly really thought this was going to do well. <laughs> they put so much effort into advertising this. Even the DVD looks uh, shiny. Mm -hmm. I remember there being a giant cardboard um, like standee in the lobby at my local movie theater. Uh, this came out in 2003. Now, uh, as a refresher, here's a handful of what Box Office Mojo um reported as being the highest movies of 2003. Oh, Just to okay. put yourself in the mind of, of the world that this movie was birthed into. Number one for 2003 was Finding Nemo. Mm. Uh, number two is Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. Oh. And then we have The Matrix Reloaded, Lord of the Rings, The Return of the we King, and wow. X2, X-Men United, and Elf. So and Terminator Three: Rise of the Machine. Oh so what God. I want to say is this movie has no reason to look as bad as it does. Yeah. When I kept mm. saying, you know, like during it, it's it's like that that time period, that golden, what the two thousands, that you know, like that you have, could just throw whatever at. Well, it. and you start, yeah. well, that, that's exactly it because you said to me as as we started this that um, the Mummy and Van Helsing, you know, this is right up my alley. It's that kind of feel, but there's a huge difference there because like even when we we're going to watch it on prime. It recommended the two top movies recommended with this film were the mummy and Van Helsing, which are two of my major favorites for entirely different reasons. 
Um, and, uh, and we do get a little bit um, serving Van Helsing realness with Richard Roxburgh is in this. Again, he seems to, like, the edginess, this era, he seems to just kind of, this was his era, the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. But these all kind of fit into this. Um, there's, a, there's a term for this, actually. Because I looked it up because it is now my new favorite word. Um, Dan, you'll have to tell me if you've ever heard this before. Diesel punk. Diesel punk. It's, it's like the term for or... that sort of like that turn of the century. It it's not steampunk, but it's like a little too further, too yeah. further ahead. So it's it's still okay. sci-fi and stuff. But we're using like diesel and oil. Okay. That thinking, that actually that that does make a weird amount of sense. Yeah. That that, that term. Using, my own term that I've coined, which is uh, mac-, mac and cheese movies. Yes. They're like, uh, it's, it's something that I call like a movie that you go back to a hundred times. that may not be the best movie in the world, but because but you like, know what it tastes like, you know what it tastes like. Mm. It's familiar. It's comforting. It's, it's, it's cheesy, but it's like in a way that's like, okay. And like, there's, you know, there are books like this, there are CDs like this, this you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you know, this kind of, if I, I feel like if I had watched this, when I watched the mummy, when I watched Van Helsing, I would feel more about this movie like that if I'd watched it earlier, but now it's almost like the opposite. It's not quite homemade. It's kind of like craft and it's still not good for you, but one is definitely better than the other. It's like, yeah. still that, that cheesy powder. Yeah. It does. It, it's 100%. It's, it's manufactured. It's not the real thing, and, <laughs> but it will fill you up. It'll get the job done. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it'll fill you up. It'll just be terrible for you. Yes. Uh, so with the world of diesel punk, uh, do we want to just go ahead and jump into this? I'm ready. I've, I've. Yeah, let's right. let's let the healing begin because I got, I got, I got thoughts and words. We we got some uh, some group therapy about to happen yep. here. Uh, so of course this takes place in 1899, uh, which is before both world wars, of course. Um, right at the turn of the century, it, um, I believe it even specifically tells us it's July because that's important. Uh, it does. We, we open the movie with one of my favorite things in this type of, uh, world or film, which is using vaguely future technology as if it's like unstoppable sci-fi because this movie begins with, um, with people driving like a Sherman tank uh, down the London streets and everyone going, Oh my God, what is this? Holy cow. There's people inside of it. And them robbing banks and kidnapping uh, scientists and all sorts of stuff. We also just moved past the murder of a British police officer almost as quickly as the tank that ran him over. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Not just a murder, but a squishing. Oh, oh it's, yeah. That dude is gushy. He's like gone. we're we're going, we're trying to like make this movie seem dangerous and cool. Like real, real quickly, we're trying to like it's it's a it's a thing that we've been kind of running into with some of these movies where the more that it feels like the movie is trying to convince you that something is cool, the less that it is mm-hmm. like at all. Like even if it is really cool, the fact that it has to tell you means that it's. Mm-hmm. Dumb. Uh, so it turns out that he's actually that this group, uh, which is a terrorist group led by the Phantom, which it's important to know that it's spelled with a capital F instead of a PH. Right. Uh, and he 
shows up with these bad guys to steal Leonardo da Vinci's blueprints of Venice, of Venice's foundations and all sorts of stuff, and then also several uh, German scientists. So, uh, immediately, I it, it was really confusing to me. I meant to look this up, but the Phantom looks exactly like... Uh, there was this Power Rangers villain in, I think, Turbo, who was like the main guy. He kind of <laughs> looks like Tom Savini if he were to play the Phantom of the Opera. But it's it's one of it's one of the Power Rangers main baddies. But uh, well, he's basically he's he's Doctor Doom without like a chin plate. Okay, he's Doctor Doom with like Slipknot hair. It's so confusing. I'm not entirely convinced that it's not just Alan Moore. Yeah, I it's, it's Alan Moore showing like, up. Wait a minute, Tim showing up and be like, ah, and he's trying to steal the script. <laughs> I'm a sorcerer. Ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, he's, so, so that's, the Phantom is not threatening at all. I feel no sort of, it never feels like he arrives. Like when, when a villain shows up in these sorts of movies, you're supposed to have that moment of like, he comes out, the music does like the blah or whatever. And, and we like shoot it in such a way that it's supposed to imply that it's a threat. This dude just kind of leaves the tank. Well, that well, well, that's that. That was my problem from the beginning. Is uh, with the fan, with Phantom is there is no he's there from the beginning. There's no build up to oh my gosh who's Phantom who is like there's no grand reveal. He just pops out. He's like hey guys, yeah. And every time he shows up, I first of all forget that he's in the movie, even though we're talking about him all the time, um, and. There's also this, uh, like, just complete lack of, like, threat or interest. Or he, he kind of comes in with all of the, like, menace of Michael Sarah entering a room. <laughs> like, all the bad guys, they show up with guns, and then he just kind of comes in. And he's like, hey, I'm going to do a bad thing. And it's it's not even slightly compelling. Well, and my theory about that is that maybe because like, you know, not to spoil anything, but maybe, you know, like he's, he's not meant to be like the main thing. He's a smoke screen, but then still give us something but, uh, to make, be tricked by. Be like, yeah. if you're going to distract, here's, distract. Here's, 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 here's what's wrong with the, with Phantom as a villain. He has okay. no good henchmen. You, no, you, oh, you, yeah. you need a strong second. Like, you know, Darkseid has uh, Steppenwolf. Thanos had Loki. Like, you need someone from the jump to, to be a threat, but also to give the idea that there's something bigger looming behind him. Like a hype man. Like someone who's going ahead of you to show up yeah. and be like, you guys have no idea. My boss is going to kick your ass. You need an opening number. Oh, I just found it. Especially um, in a hey. league Hang on a second. Uh, the the Power Ranger villain. I was wrong, everybody. It's the villain from Power Rangers Time Force, and his name is Rancic. Oh. And uh, and I'll send you a link to that. That's R A N S I K. Just in case you want to play along with comparing <laughs> these, because it's stupid. Uh, oh my goodness! But I just wanted to like make sure that I didn't forget that part. But there's no. 
at no point in this movie do I really feel like that there's a true threat that's happening or that there's villains that can capably like get rid of them. Even though we have, it's, it's 1899 and there are people that are running around with like Uzis and body armor and Mm -hmm. crazy stuff. And I'm interested in the league themselves, but I don't care if they win because I'm not entirely sure what they're trying to win against. And, and even later on in the movie, whenever the big plan is explained, it completely falls apart, uh, which which we'll get to because it's, like, mind-bogglingly infuriating. <laughs> I remember specifically turning and saying to you, like, I think it was one of, like, the biggest scenes, like, where they're, like, running through, like, Venice. Or something. It was it was one of the really big action scenes. I can't remember which one, but it was um, – I, I distinctly said, I'm surprised how much is happening and how little it thrills me. And these are <laughs> – and these are characters I care about, some of them, because, like, from the literary perspective. But So those, uh, those who might not know, um, I know that we just started talking about the plot, but the whole concept of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is it's every character from every old English book that you read growing up um, and just coming together to essentially it's, – it's H.G. Wells' The Avengers – <laughs> basically yeah, public we public have, domain avengers <laughs> yeah the public domain avengers which um would be an incredible ska band name <laughs> but uh so we have alan quartermain uh who's played by sean connery who surprisingly you get you you get so used to like oh it's sean connery like he like twilight years he knows he's sean connery and he doesn't really have to like give it um I really felt like Sean Connery kind of cared. Like it felt like that there were parts of it where he was like, I don't know what I'm reading. I don't know what's happening, but I'm going to like act it mm-hmm. uh, because, um, and this is, this is a bit of trivia. Sean Connery had actually turned down both the scripts to the Lord of the Rings and the matrix because he said he didn't understand them. And then they went on to be massive hits and they said, okay, well, then I'm literally going to sign on for the next script mm-hmm. that I don't understand. And it was this. I mean, that's fair. I don't understand the script either. So I could have been <laughs> in it <laughs> by that logic. So we have uh, Sean Connery and then a bunch of people that nobody knows uh, who end up filling out uh, Captain Nemo from 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Uh, we have... Not the Invisible Man, but uh, Skinner. Right. They- uh, Rodney Skinner, because uh, it turns out that that was the only character that technically had a... Uh, yeah, like, they couldn't get the rights for yeah, oh, that wow. the Invisible like a, Man. He was just an Invisible Man. Yeah, they just kind of hand wave it over. Ah, oh, I sold this from some scientists who went crazy. I don't know. I kind of loved that, and I kind of loved like because I, you know, of course, and I, I don't know all of the the comic book backstory to it, but I, but I loved that we kind of. I'm a big fan of characters that trip into their destinies, and I felt like that was kind of like a fun way to do that. Like, oh, it's not, it's right. not these scientists, mm-hmm. but you know, with like the, the, the kind of like clown white face that we were doing, or yeah. Mm-hmm. That was fun. I, that was fun. I, I I read that, you know, when I was reading about that they couldn't get the rights for the Invisible Man, that they, and then that's why they made up Skinner as a character. That 
and, and I feel like against all odds, he actually became a fan favorite character. No, I love him in this movie. He's fun. You know, he's uh, the little bit where he disappears. I don't like that. That's the only term I can think of for it. There's a <laughs> the part in the movie where he disappears. Um, you do feel like a bit of a lull because he's got like this like weird energy to him that somehow. Mm. Even though he's not Alan Cumming, he's somehow the most Alan Cumming person. Like, yeah, in this, he's he's like he's a rogue, and he's kind of a scumbag. But he's that's a staple of this era too of the of these kinds of movies. Yeah. It's just like you need that one, that one kind of scummy guy. Yeah. I would have gladly. It would have been nice to see a sequel to this, or even just like a spinoff that would have just so I could have seen more of that character. So uh, we have an Invisible Man. <laughs> Uh, Captain Nemo, Alan Quartermain. Uh, Alan Quartermain um, is, is supposed to be like the greatest hunter of all time. Essentially, you, he will always track you. He will always hunt you down. Uh, we have uh, we have Dorian Gray, mm-hmm. who of course is immortal because he has. Uh, a painting that ages instead of him that he can't look at because if he does, then, uh, then it will, then he'll just revert back to his regular age and he'll die. Um, Because he's forced to look upon his sins. Right. And, uh, and also because we had a whole discussion about this, I'm not sure if I uh, remember her name properly, but Mina, uh, Mina. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it was Mina, Um, which we'll, we'll talk about that whenever we get to her introduction. And uh, and these are all our public domain Avengers, basically. Uh, what happens is okay. So uh, we have, of course, the Phantom shows up and does a bunch of mischief, stealing plans to Venice and kidnapping scientists. Uh, the next thing we know, we have Alan Quartermain, who's being uh, who's being recruited to join the Avengers by Sanderson Reed. Sanderson Reed. <laughs> Yeah. firm with a catchy commercial. I won't watch <laughs> Yeah, basically. Uh, of course, he goes there and there's everyone's has a one-liner and then, like, uh, the hotel that he's staying at blows up and he's like, alright, fine, I'll go to England. <laughs> and, uh... We get, like, a, fa- a cool fake-out with, like, a fake quarter main that, like, I really... Nigel? Yeah. We lose the best character, Nigel, having only had him so briefly, and we must do make do with the real Alan. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I, I, it was it was funny though. I he, I feel like he the ruse didn't last long enough to be effective. You know, right. he's like, "Oh, I'm Alan Quartermain," and then Sanderson Reed says something, and then Sean Connery turns around and goes, "Well, nope, I'm." Turns out I'm Alan yeah. Quartermain. He's sitting right beside yeah. him too. He he just does the gag of like he lowers a newspaper, and he's like, "Actually, it's me." <laughs> uh, so he gets recruited. He goes to London, and he meets M, which is supposed to be implied that's a uh, uh, basically almost kind of the precursor to James Bond's. We have a little boss. like tongue-in-cheek moment there. Yeah, where it's like, ah, mm-hmm. oh, M, and, uh, yeah. and you're supposed to like basically feel the elbow and your ribs going, "It's James Bond. Get it, James Bond. <laughs> it's Sean Connery, James Bond." Uh, now here's something that's a, a bit strange to me so of course uh m ends up being like the nick fury of of this sort of setup and we go through and we see a bunch of paintings 
that imply and suggest like previous leagues of extraordinary gentlemen, mm-hmm. uh, some of which include the three musketeers. And uh, I meant to go back and show you this because uh, you would really like this, but um, we also have the Scarlet Pimpernel, like Sir, per- oh, Sir Percy Blakeney Percy. and his wife. Yeah, Marguerite. Uh, and, and also Robin Hood and like just a whole back history of like when in times of peril, we bring together and we create a league of extraordinary gentlemen mm-hmm. and we put them together. This time uh, we have brought together you folks. Uh, oh, um, we also later on uh, get another member, but we'll get to that because I have problems with him. Uh, <laughs> so. The people who are there at the very beginning, we have Alan Quartermain, Captain Nemo, who I think is my favorite. Everything about Captain Nemo in this movie is so cool to me. Yeah. I don't know much about Nemo, but I was instantly enamored. Like, it hit the design of all of his... Captain Nemo is is almost like a mixture between... Um, like like an Indian martial arts character, but then almost like a Tony Stark. He's got insane technology. Yeah, he's got a car with six a Cruella Deville looking car with six wheels, and uh, and this <laughs> massive well size changing submarine. It seems like it changes size yeah. per shot. Well, but with, with possibly it, it nice. possibly the most intricate and ornate interiors ever to you know grace a Trump Tower. Oh yes, one hundred percent. There are parts of this that just look like that um, that you're inside of like Sri Lanka or just like these gorgeous. There's so much. <laughs> I feel like there's so much marble in this in this submarine. I don't know how it how it didn't sink. <laughs> like that's probably part of his technology. Like I wonder if his first run of the submarine um, actually didn't have any of that marble, and now he's just flexing. He's like, this is so good. <laughs> I'm this good at building submarines. I'm going to make one that's just out of rock. What if it's just plastic? Like, what if someone leans on a wall too hard and they just go through it? Like, they're just like, it's all stage dressing. It's all just plywood and drywall. Like, he's just been, um, like, putting on layers of glue and painting over it. Uh, so we have that. Um, we have the vampire chemist Mina Harker and uh, an invisible thief Rodney Skinner. Now, Casey, you pointed out something really interesting that I hadn't even considered about Mina Harker, mm-hmm. which is, of course, Mina Harker is from Dracula. Yeah, we do a little, we do a little swap with Mina Harker, actually, kind of, where we kind of get this thing where uh, it's usually her best friend Lucy in adaptations that kind of gets the bad rap. So it's interesting to see it switch to Mina is kind of the controversial vampiric one well, because lucy actually becomes a vampire in the original novel uh mina just is like an object of affection and never changes yeah we have a we have like uh dracula's obsession with different women and uh lucy is always kind of portrayed sometimes unfairly as the one that like gives in to him and mina is kind of like the triumphant heroine that that doesn't and it's it's really interesting um that we have this kind of setup here where almost an imagination of she's Nina Harker. So very clearly she and Jonathan Harker, this is post their marriage. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's almost this setting where she, it's kind of offered up that maybe she kind of uh, at first, I, at first I theorized that she had like in her grief kind of accepted Dracula's offer finally, but then we get to know that it was, it was a little more complicated. Maybe it was a run in with Dracula that didn't go the way that, uh, they had planned when they were hunting him, but um, but it's it's definitely interesting that they went with making 
Mina this more recognizable choice rather than mm. saying Lucy, because at least giving her the moniker of Parker, people would more naturally go, oh, Jonathan. So they might recognize his character well, more and I her connection to, to him. I meant to look this up and, uh, and I didn't, but um, Mina Harker is also the character that um, Winona Ryder played in the uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's also that's like, well, that's that's where the recognition is. It's mm-hmm. you're supposed to look and go, oh, that's Winona Ryder, and just kind of go with it. <laughs> uh, so they all get together. They go to Dorian Gray's place. Uh, Dorian Gray and uh, Mina kind of like stare at each other. So it's supposed to be implied that like they're both immortals and they're kind of banging around sometimes. Um, Dorian Gray kind of offhandedly reveals that like they say oh you're an immortal and he's like yeah i'm an immortal because of a cursed painting the painting's missing by the way anyway and then he just kind of goes off as if that wasn't something that was really important to him because mm-hmm. uh that's literally his whole shtick is as long as he has that painting as long as he has that painting yeah. that he's, he's immortal he's immortal and everything bad that he does which i kind of love we also get that flavor of dorian gray kind of being like a, a more controversial yeah. character, more bad character, because I mean, like people sometimes yeah. talk about him as this literary character that a lot of stuff happens to, mm-hmm. and he's like victim, but really he's, he's kind of a shit in the book. Like, you know? Yeah. Well, definitely like in the movie, like, like, you know, like someone like Skinner, he just comes out and he's like, yeah, I'm a dirt bag, but yeah. But, but you know, you, you get immediately where he's coming from. You get someone like Dorian Gray in this movie and he's like, I'm like, oh man, he's a snake. Like he puts on a yeah, smile yeah. and he looks handsome and almost kind of like he's very fancy, almost foppish, but he's mm-hmm. dangerous. Like he's Wait, very dangerous. Don't trust me. Well, and even in even in even yeah. like they kind of took things from the novel a little bit. Like there's kind of like his mentor in the novel is this Lord Henry guy. That the big twist in the plot is after Dorian's done all these terrible things. Lord Henry kind of turns and says to him, like, you know, you think that I led you into this life of debauchery. You were the one that kind of led me further than I ever thought that I could go, even though I started teaching you. And I think that that, that portrayal at least comes out in this movie a little bit of that, like, um, people don't really suspect him at first, like you said, but then there's definitely a snake in the grass underneath. And you right. mentioned uh, me, with the character of Mina, Winona Ryder's portrayal, mm-hmm. I kind of had a, a confusion of a portrayal. There's a Dorian Gray movie that happened in 2009, so like a little little bit after this. Yeah, I thought that this I was, was the same guy. Yeah, right? And yeah. I, I, well, I, I definitely didn't because uh, Ben Barnes of Prince Caspian fame um, portrays, uh, portrays Dorian in the 2009 movie. This is Stuart Townsend, and it was fascinating to see like the differences in, in those portrayals and, uh, and Stuart kind of does come up a little bit more slippery in this version. Well, see, that's a problem. Sure. Is I was never like a 16 year old love worn girl. So I didn't <laughs> thought it was the exact same people. <laughs> I uh, barely was. Well, I barely was. When they're, when they're at his house, um, of course the phantom just shows up. He just mm-hmm. walks in non-threateningly and does what in a normal comic book movie or whatever, would be like the end of the second act and just has his immediate, I'm the bad guy. Let's be friends. speech, And they all go, what? No, like, why would we, 
we were literally brought together to beat you, even though we don't know who you are, but like, you're kind of doing bad things, I guess. And there, uh, and he goes, all right, fine. Well then all of you get to die. And uh, <laughs> a huge gunfight happens in which, uh, some one of somebody shows up from the shadows, a good guy and starts shooting out people. And it's revealed that this is the adult secret service version of uh, Tom Sawyer, which Tom Sawyer doesn't exist in the original comic book. Like he never does. There's six volumes of this and he doesn't exist. Uh, He's in this movie because Fox studios likes to just do whatever it wants sometimes. And, uh, thought that Americans wouldn't care about this movie if it didn't have an American character in it. Uh, so which is that rid- being, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. That being said, <laughs> he's fun enough. He's not mm-hmm. important, but like it, he, he kind of exists to, they don't just go and I'm here too. Like they kind of give him like a little bit of something to do with Alan Quartermain with this kind of father son kind of surrogacy thing. But, you know, as, as I, I'm not too mad at it because even with like the, the Hellboy movie, which is really good, like one of the main characters there is also completely made up just to drive the story, mm-hmm. but which doesn't always yeah. fail. Sometimes it, I mean, like you said, there are some really shockingly to me, poignant moments, you know, like the father and son conversation mm-hmm. that ends up happening later about like the shooting lesson yeah. um, that it, that it really adds to. And, and I really, I did, have a moment if I hadn't known better what time period this, you know, when this movie was made, I, I thought, what is young Leo DiCaprio doing in this film for two seconds when he came at the beginning of the shootout? And I was like, oh, wait a minute, that's not the right time of all. And then I was like, oh, look, it's the, the greatest villain of all, Tom Sawyer, but he's a hero this time. Ah, <laughs> oh, God, I'm, it's going to drive me insane if I can't think of that, of that guy's name. Uh, Shane West. Thank you. Um, I was going to say it's America's 2003 heartthrob Shane West. Um, there's there's a lot of something that I thought was really interesting is there there are some small moments of uh, of like actual character work going on of stuff where it seems like the actors are actually acting and a real conversation is happening and you can almost you can get a sense of these people. And those scenes seem to only exist between Tom Sawyer, uh, Alan Quartermain, and Captain Nemo, which is mm-hmm. interesting because uh, Mina Harker kind of gets thrown into, into like the, the shadows, like pardon the joke, I guess, yeah. of her being a vampire. She's not really given much to do in here. In the original comics, she's the main person. She's the leader. She's yeah. the one who she's assembles the, the team. In America. Oh, wow. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen that. We get, we, instead we kind of get a little bit of like, you know, Connery doing what Connery does best, being a little misogynistic there and being yeah. like, Oh, being, a chemist, a woman. When's, a woman your, when's, when's your husband <laughs> coming? It's like, Oh God, please. But, uh, she does get to like, have like a hilariously bad Sean Connery impression at one point. Like, yeah, it, it, it's uh, it's good because she already is. It's an actress that's already having to play with an accent, yeah, and then having to fake doing an accent on top of her already fake accent is is just real fun to see. 
Yeah, which, like, speaking of, like, accents, if you played a drinking game with the word European in this movie, you'd be dead. Like, the amount of times that they say, like, European. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, my goodness, we're overusing this. That's okay. So uh, everybody gets on to, at this point in the movie, they've defeated all the bad guys. Phantom's like, whoop, I was wrong, bye. And everyone gets on to Captain Nemo's uh, fantastic submarine. Yeah. Uh, that is made entirely of stone, as we discussed. <laughs> the Nautilus. Uh, well, stone and uh, silver accents. The Nautilus. I love the Nautilus. I love everything about Captain Nemo. I love that actor. I love mm. the look of everything. I don't love that they go to his car, and he's like, here's my assistant. And the guy <laughs> immediately like yells, call me Ishmael, at him, because we need to fit as many literary references as possible into this. Yeah, that was kind of a like, definitely like an eye-rolling moment. For, for a movie that's literally built on entirely on the nose, that part was really on the nose. <laughs> mm. uh, also on the nose, and uh, like j- as far as references go, there's a bunch of different moments in this movie where... Alan Moore's name is being uh, hung on posters yeah, and stuff, literally using Alan that. Moore's dressing in the same way that we're doing that with the script. Uh, this movie is also one of the main reasons why Alan Moore uh, went even more crazier and was like, never, <laughs> ever put my name on any of this uh, adaptation garbage again. Um. Which, you know, for good reason. Uh, while they're on the the Nautilus, uh, they talk about, like, who uh, Quartermain says, oh, we're going to need one more. You think we need one more? I think we need one more. <laughs> All right, we'll get one more. Uh, and they go and get Dr. Henry Jekyll, also known as Mr. Hyde sometimes, um, using really, again, uh, this is 2003, We've already mentioned some movies with incredible special effects that also came out this year. Even Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, which had a budget that was much, much smaller than this, uh, was able to do like certain effects in CG better. It's still pretty mm. old. They, they, they hold up great. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. For this, we do like this weird foam rubber oh, prosthetic thing and I... shoot him on a green screen and just kind of throw them in there okay so since i had the dvd yeah i and i I never do this but i just i let the dvd run after the movie and i watched all of the special featurettes and and there was a whole (laughs) this whole half an hour long thing about all the effects and specifically how they made mr hyde and it was really impressive, but at the end of the day, like I, I was still torn. I'm like, I, I love p- practical effects. I love special, you know, like makeup and all that stuff. And I'm like, he still looks like they sculpted sculpted him out of a pink pearl eraser. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. And it's it's what? really strange because later on in the movie, bit of spoilers, he fights another Hyde, like someone mm. who like really roids up on hide juice and that person is uh somehow worse is it like it's cg but it's it's absolutely terrible 
Now, this is the and, – and it looks like um, – it, it reminded me a lot, honestly, of the uh, the Scooby-Doo movie, like the effects of like some of like the weird kind of like rabbit demon creatures. Um, and so you have really bad CG fighting somebody who's like, like uh, wearing a muscle suit that weirdly isn't working. It's the, – the effects of this movie feel like – this movie was released in 2003, but it feels like that it was – filmed in 1994 like there's the the effects to uh cg some of like the layering and compositing there's a mm-hmm. lot to this that is just real ugly to watch well and i even said um like how can i how can i not tell if the cgi is good or not even when staring directly at it like there were times <laughs> I was watching yeah. it, i was like i don't even know if this is good and then i was like you know what never mind looking at mr hyde i can tell it's bad cgi <laughs> so i'm good here, here's the funny thing about mr hyde though and and, and and uh, yeah, he, the finished product is laughable, but the scenes where he transforms back and forth, I thought were truly gruesome. Yeah. yeah. Like the, very grotesque and like hard to watch. I'm like, that was done really well. How did you guys go from that to your, your, you know, looks like the Hulk screwed a snuffleupagus or something like what (laughs) that's true because if we were to pause and look like um scene for scene like uh still for still it's the what you've mentioned is absolutely correct the artistry that went into it people really put some like care into this uh when you're able to like really look at it it's it's gorgeous but we're getting literal flashes of it because we're also um obfuscating it with like um, almost Victorian era camera flashes That's of like smoke puffs mm-hmm. in between these. Yeah. But it would have, it, it is good work, but we're not, what we are allowed to see doesn't look good. And the stuff that does look good, it feels like that it's hidden from us. It's hidden more than we're watching design. Mr. Hyde flashbang yeah. into being Jekyll. Yeah. And I, I want to see like what's going on underneath that, but it's just, it, they're like, oh, wait, it's 2003 and we're being edgy with camera flashes and right. like, okay well <laughs> i know that we probably should be talking more about the actual plot of the movie itself but it's so threadbare <laughs> and also like immediately ignores itself uh like as it goes through like even halfway through which we're getting to right now it's 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 baffling some of like the story choices that happen here i did just want to note real quick before we yeah. move on um about mr hyde like why you guys think like he's always portrayed like we mentioned Van Helsing, we mentioned like movies like that that try to do Mr. Hyde, and oh, even yeah. um Russell Crowe, I think in uh in like the new Mummy movie. Why is I don't understand why Mr. Hyde is always this hulking gorilla man. Yeah, like, they turn him just, into. He's supposed to just be the darker nature of man, which is terrifying the more it looks like everything else. But I guess that's not cinema. But it's just, we always, with these kind of edgy movies, they have to be like, we have to be playing visual and maybe mm-hmm. it's just because they want that, like the Hulk character. Now, I know that we keep mentioning Van Helsing, but I think it's really important to be aware of the fact that Van Helsing came out one year after this one did. Yeah. Van Helsing hmm. came out in 2004. This came out in 2003. And it's immediately the very first scene of Van Helsing, where it's Van Helsing trying to like, kill Jekyll and uh, will hide in Paris yeah. is shot almost shot for shot conceptually exactly the same as the scene that's in here, but executed 
a million times better. Like we, we end up with like a, a CG hide, which isn't my favorite either. If we, if I could, I would also, I, I agree with you guys that, um, that practical is the way to go. It's what I personally like, but to, to see, like, if you're going to do that much of like a larger than life idea, then you can't really rely on life to imitate it. And if mm-hmm. it had just been like, he turns into a person and like, maybe he's like a bit like buffer, but he's still able to like throw things around and he's got like weird boils and creepy teeth and is like snarling at people. That could have been, that could have been effective. That okay. could have been neat. But instead to put a lot of effort and cool work into something that you're not committed to with the big, um, like prosthetic arms is, is so strange. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, as a reminder of what has happened in the plot so far, <laughs> uh, just because of like the three sentences of what's actually happened, uh, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen have been brought together uh, to stop a world war from happening. And they go pick up Mr. Hyde. And whenever they get him, they immediately realize on their way to Venice that there must be a spy on board, someone who's a mole, someone who's uh, working with the bad guys, uh, because they find like a couple of different clues to that. Immediately, they assume that it must be Skinner, the invisible man, because he's invisible and he like does things like comes into rooms and pinches your butt. And he's like, ah, I'm here. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, but go ahead. I, I, I just can't get over the fact, and this is, this is apropos of nothing. I mean, just in general, I can't get over the fact that like Skinner is essentially naked throughout the entire movie. Oh, he's absolutely nude. I wrote this note down. He's, he's flapping in the breeze. He's out there. I mean, his, I mean, bare ass, bare feet. I mean, just like, but he's not a mortal. He's just a dude. He's right. going around with completely like vulnerable feet and like broken glass areas. Oh, his, his feet must be just shredded and he must be freezing all the time. Yeah. He's even in the snow at one point. Like, yeah, uh, he does, does make a joke where he's like, all my extremities are freezing up and I mean, all of them. Um, I have a quick question about his invisibleness that I wrote down. Because this this drove me insane. Um, They have a shot where he's in... uh, I I believe this is whenever they're actually visiting Dorian Gray. And he has a drink. Yes. And he goes, cheers. And and we have this this really great CGI of like the the drink going down the back of his throat. And it's like, ha-ha, he's invisible, but you can see the drink. Now, here's a couple problems that we have with that. Uh, One... If that's happening, then that means that you should be able to see everything that he's eating or digesting right. or whatever. There should just be a floating like log of poop at all times. Um, which yeah. that was the whether, alternative title for this movie. floating log of extraordinary yeah. <laughs> poop. That's, that's what League of Extraordinary Gentlemen translates into, you know, uh, yeah, into the European, you know, the European. There yeah. it is again. <laughs> it's uh the le- it's a log of excrement. Exactly. Is, that, is that a good one? Yeah, there you go. I, I, I can't. Star. I can't figure out anything for G. We'll get back to it. Uh, anyway, intestinal. Damn it! 
fine. League of uh, I'm horrified log, that, that was already loaded. I don't know where that is. Log, log of excremental gastrointestinal. Um, but it's it's either that's happening, or maybe it would like disappear long enough to where it's maybe like it's it's just the top of his skin that's really like bends light around it, almost kind of like translucent from the boys, um, or or how exactly that would work, or if it's just that like his digestive juices are maybe invisible too, and they make things invisible mm-hmm. by it digesting. I don't know. I have a thousand questions that none of the answers will satisfy. Or, some, or someone said this will look really cool, and that, then we don't. Have to yeah, it. no, that's that's as much thought as they put into it. Like Jeremiah, you put more thought into the last thirty seconds <laughs> than they did that entire shot. Like what what Casey said boiled it down. Like that's as much thought as they put into it. They're like, I oh, really, this will look really cool. I really, really want to see an Invisible Man movie where somebody's invisible and they take like let's let's say a strawberry and uh and maybe you can have like have like a heat camera so you can show that the dude's opening his mouth and he puts the strawberry in his mouth and he closes it and it disappears and he opens his mouth again and it's still there and he does that like three times and then that way I can just in the audience go okay I understand these yeah. rules <laughs> then you will be so sure. yeah and that's the only reason <laughs> Okay, so so I have one more uh, Skinner gripe. Okay, and that that being said, he's our favorite character in the movie. We oh, he's agree. a lot of fun. He he's <laughs> yeah. definitely a lot of fun. They they don't now. Let's. I feel like they don't you, you don't they don't utilize him enough. No. Um, he whites his he- entire head mm-hmm. really quickly, almost immediately after like becoming invisible. He like yeah. he coats his entire head with like this makeup like almost like at the drop of a hat and he is yeah. and 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 the and for applying it himself he manages to get every nook and cranny completely covered oh yeah you know well, even, like why uh, why doesn't he just carry a mask around even oh, in uh in hollow man with kevin bacon uh he's he wears like a rubber mask but it's still like parts of it are see-through and it doesn't work out that well um, not only is that guy like smearing clown white perfectly every time, he also has like a half a glass of water, and he'll just go like, "Oh, I'm going to be invisible now," and splash it on his face, and the stuff like immediately dissolves. Yeah. yeah, like he just like does like a dog shake, and it's gone. <laughs> it's it's uh, boy, um, I'm sorry that I picked this. I had fun, but it's <laughs> the the problem is all the really fun stuff is front loaded in this movie. And then like from the very beginning of it, we were watching this and I was like, maybe I was wrong. Maybe it's just that like, that maybe we can go back to it and say, well, this is like, this is fun. This is a fun idea. Maybe this is something that will kind of like come back around and be like schlock cult or Mm -hmm. whatever. But it, it completely peters out really quickly. Like there's nothing that really kind of like, last interestingly like at the end of the movie right there's um, there's, there, there's nothing yeah. lingering there's nothing that is memorable um even even connery's like one-liners you could extract them from this movie and put them in any other connery movie like when he goes oh, yeah when he's like i'm waiting to be impressed you know that, that could have been the untouchables probably yeah or like it, that it, was naughty 
it's yeah. interesting that you bring him up specifically because I feel like Quartermain is supposed to have been like the focus of this movie, but we never fully settle into that. Just like everything else, the film doesn't quite commit to or settle into. It keeps well, like throwing up these moments, and then we don't. You just you're left kind of sitting on the outside. You never come into it completely. I think that's a that's a flaw of the movie in general is that nobody, everybody gets their like gets five minutes of doing something cool, but no one's character gets any proper attention uh, save maybe Quartermain because, you know, Sean Connery was the highest paid. I mean, he's, he's the lead. He's the highest paid actor. That's why they paid him $18 million. That's why they couldn't get anybody else in the movie this movie and then we wonder why the effects don't look good because we gave it all to him yeah but I'll, I'll tell you what I will say I will say something positive about this movie yeah I, please do I I really enjoyed the action and fight choreography I thought the yeah. I thought the action scenes the like the, like the like the fighting like the one-on-one fight scenes were a lot of fun. Sean Connery, he's like he was like seventy one years old when they, they made this. He could still bring it. He was still oh, yeah. He was still like still body people. Yeah, he was still punching guys out, and um, you know, I thought, yeah, I just thought all the all the action was still fun. I yes. I, I enjoyed watching the you know a lot of those scenes. It it really kind of felt like a. Well, I mean, it's 2003. This feels like that this is something that would like exist at Universal Studios as a ride, <laughs> like maybe like some sort of like 3D glasses on it, and would do really well because mm-hmm. there's so much that's going on and stuff that's like there. There are a lot of like visually interesting things that are happening. Um, even even whenever the actual effects aren't really kind of hitting the ideas and kind of what we're attempting to do behind them are fun. This is, this is a movie I would have, I would really love to see um, a reboot of actually, like I'd love to see them try to take another shot mm-hmm. at this, even though that just probably means that it would like disappoint me again. Um, well then again, it's Fox Fox well, has got bought Disney and maybe will, you know what they, maybe there, maybe some someday it could have a second life. Cause if you think about it, you know, yeah. they, they made, you know, Zack Snyder made a Watchmen movie, which love it or hate it, whatever. It 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 maybe just did like middle of the road, but right. then they eventually came out with the Watchmen series on HBO. It was amazing. That's actually a great point. I would love to see this as like uh like a Showtime or HBO series. I think that that's where like, it would like have Penny the best, Dreadful. The best mm-hmm. new life would be, especially when especially what we've been seeing with like. WandaVision and like Falcon the Winter Soldier, how like things are, you know, TV shows are kind of the direction they're heading in, like the Netflix yeah, we're series. Flesh things, where we're yeah. allowed to flesh things out, where we're allowed to sit comfortably in something and God forbid treat characters like people. Right. And yeah. it, I think that that's where it would have the best new life is if someone. Yeah. I, I would love to see an article that pops up that is like, they're going to do League of Extraordinary Gentlemen <laughs> as a Netflix series. And I'd be like, okay, yeah. let's see how that goes. Yeah. Let's- and I mean, because I mean, streaming really has changed everything. Yeah. Uh-huh. And and something like this could work on a streaming platform. It know? very much could. Um, it's just the problem is that, like, we're doing this in 2003, like, in that, like, real early 2000s, like, bloated action, uh, like, mm-hmm. uh, 
uh, blockbuster kind of thing that like everything just kind of has like this sheen of like Taco Bell tie-in on it. <laughs> and it's, it's so strange. Well, or you said it was like both really, really expensive and really, really cheap. Yeah. Like, I mean, the, the sets look authentic, but at the same time, it looks like if you just like you, like Casey, like you said about the, the, the nod, it's like if you just leaned uh-huh. against one of the buildings in Venice, it would just topple over. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, just everything just has this fakeness about it. Speaking of toppling over, um, the very next, this is, this is further for the, like the point that we're making. And then also like what happens in the movie, the next thing that happens is they finally do get to Venice and they're like, Oh, uh, there's going to be bombs are going to go off and it's going to attack all the world leaders and it's going to cause the world war. And so what happens is they get there and, uh, and of course, like they, they basically fail. Like they save, they save the, uh, the world leaders from being destroyed, but Venice gets like blown up real good in the process. And so we have authentic, beautiful looking Venice at night with this shiny, amazing, like Nemo mobile, which is what they <laughs> referred to it, to be, um, in those special features. And they're toppling with the same, like energy and everything as like, if you were to use like a PlayStation one cut scene with like smoke effects on it, Mm -hmm. like they're not necessarily crumbling as much as it kind of feels like that. It's almost just like Jenga bricks that are falling down, like a (laughs) building one full piece um, landing. And we end up with, uh, so, so of course they're going and we have the two gun boys, uh, Alan Quartermain and, uh, Tom Sawyer shooting at things and Mina uh, goes oh, like, please. let me handle this <laughs> and has the most vague vampire powers. I wrote, I would think Mina's vampire form was ridiculous if I could see it properly at all. Yeah. And did she just <laughs> crap? Did she just crap out a bunch of bats when she, well, that's the thing. is she bats? Does she have bats? What are we doing? It, because it looks like she transforms into bats. The bats are swarming at people, but then her full corporal form will exist in the middle of the bats biting dudes and be floating above it, like in some kind of like um, wraithish form while the bats are still going around. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it doesn't really happen again. It kind of happens like for a brief moment at the very end of the yeah, movie. It does, but yeah. Shot for shot, it's an entirely different power set. That being said, Dan, crapping bats would be an excellent band. <laughs> yeah, there we are. <laughs> That's right. You heard it here first, folks. Uh, <laughs> crapping bats is going to be pay- playing at uh, Jeremiah's birthday party. Ah! <laughs> Perfect. Oh, oh man. Uh, so that happens, and they're like, well, thank God we don't have to worry about these bombs anymore, which naturally is why... Um, they they end up getting like a phonograph message that's playing a high pitched uh, tone that only uh, Mister Hyde can hear. That also sets off bombs that are in the Nautilus. Uh-huh. So the um, the bombs go off and uh, Hyde ends up like taking all the water out of the uh, the engine rooms because they're like, oh no man can survive down there and he's like, I am no man and they transforms into the woman who's at the end of Return of the King, which came out this year. And <laughs> yeah. uh, 
so so that happens. But the anyway. message that they get, this is halfway through the movie. Halfway through the movie, pretty much, like maybe a little bit later, they get a message from the main bad guy, the Phantom, who says, I'm actually M, the person who brought you together, and I brought you guys together so I could get all of your secrets from you. I recruited uh, like I recruited Hyde so I could get his Hyde formula so I could make super soldiers. I recruited Captain Nemo uh, so I can get his technology and make that for the World War. I recruited uh, Mina because she's a chemist and I can use her chemistry knowledge and take that from her. And now I'm going to sell it all to the highest bidder. Here are some problems, though. Um, first of all, he could have just gotten these things from these people separately. Oh. Why bring them all together? Yeah. I, I, I kind of thought the same thing. I, I, I said, I, I don't know how you would do it, but there had to be a less convoluted way to obtain all of these things other th- yeah. than to make a super team. Well, we also had this moment where it was like the big reveal of who the Phantom was, and there was like this moment where I I didn't understand at first that it was M, just because it was the way they revealed it was so kind of like convoluted, and I had like a like a the the Justice League cartoon with Lex Luthor at the sink with the Flash moment, like you know he like takes it off and is like who is this, and well, he's like I don't even know who this is, and I was like who is who are we looking at right now? <laughs> well, so who are you? Who are you? Technically, the, the the bad guys reveal themselves twice because in Venice, when Quartermain is chasing Phantom through the through the graveyard, uh-huh. he rips off his mask, and you see that like under the metal mask, he's wearing a rubber mask that like it looks scarred, and he tears that away, and you see that it's right. M. Simultaneously, on the Nautilus, um. Uh, Dorian Gray reveals himself to Ishmael by shooting him as the, you know, saying, Oh no, it wasn't Skinner. It was me. I stole the formula or whatever. Aha, it was me. So then, so at that, within a two minute span, the, but they both reveal themselves as enemies. Then we get the, the audio recording of them saying, Hey guys, guess what? We're the bad guys. It's like, we already know that. It's like, thanks. Thanks for letting us know rubbing it in it's it's rude uh and it makes no sense the the ultimate like reasoning for why he brought this league together makes no sense because his plan would have worked better if he had just not brought them together and why did we invite alan quartermain what did he want from him that could have been important there's well like i can understand he did say he need i think he said he needed him to hunt Hide. The, in order to like to get, get his the, formula. So then your plan, like what could have worked, is don't tell anybody what's happening. Hide. I mean, Quartermain doesn't want anything to do with England. You could have just been like, "Hey, bro, like, did you like? Do you know what the ultimate monster uh, to hunt is, man? But what if it was a monster man? And then mm-hmm. just send it after Hide." And then get the formula and be like, all right, cool. Now go back to Africa. And then you can do whatever you want. Like, instead, like you created this, the, the phantom, 
uh, as like a fake, like a, a fake thing. Like you're not even trying to be the Phantom. I think whenever you do go to like, if you were to go and sell these weapons, if the plan had worked, I absolutely believe that he would be telling them to like fill the checks out to M or the his real name, which we find out later, which mm-hmm. I also have a few problems with. Uh, yeah, it's like, ooh, double twist. Yeah. <laughs> haha, it's me. And also, haha, it's me, but the same person. Okay. Three reveals. When even on the recording, he says that he's M like nine times. Like, it takes like nine times yeah. of him saying for it to stink, and they're all like staring at the recording like, M. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that? S- was speaking of the recording and how it leads up to it sonically blowing holes in the Nautilus. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna um, nominate this for uh, how we do a uh, best slash worst line of dialogue for, okay. the, for for every movie at the very oh, end yeah. at the very end of the recording when Dorian Gray goes bomb voyage. Yes. Oh my god. That was awesome and awful at the same time. Like, did he just say not his worst line? He says not his worst line. He said bomb voyage. His worst line, which is reserved for when he stakes Mina and says, I hoped I'd get oh. to nail you one more time. Oh, yeah, that, no. was, that was really bad. Things I've ever had to sit through. That, but. Yeah, that's right. That that was really bad. I take it back. That's the thing. That's the thing is this movie, Mina does get the, get the drop on him by being like, oh, also I found your painting. Ha ha. And then he basically turns into like a melting CGI dog. Yeah. And- <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that caught me. Um, but like you have... Like you said before, it's the duality of this film where you have lines like that. You have a line where he literally goes growl, which is like him saying roar. Like yeah. he, like when he reveals himself, he's like growl or something. Yeah, he does. Like he 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 read what was probably supposed to be like an asterisk, like growl here, and he just said he the just word says growl. We're <laughs> trying to do like the Oscar Wilde, like the sort of snarky, like the dandy kind of thing. But then you also have like really good dialogue like the scene with you know um quartermain and sawyer where they're talking about like the um the son-in-law or the son we never really it's said a few different times differently mm-hmm. um but but then you have like beautiful things like uh this one that i wrote down from Nemo. Ooh, for, yeah yeah is, i like i try this to live in the now where the ghosts of old wrongs do not abide mm. That's like amazing. And then he says, your past haunts you, which is basically the theme of all of these characters. This whole movie is about like, you know, being, being known for your past. That's why they've all been brought together because of who they all are. But then also being able to move beyond your past and be more than what you are as a group. And so like you have moments like that where it's like, oh my goodness, this movie, you know, is something could be something like, and and you have my, I have like that, uh, that theory with every movie, no matter how bad the movie is, there's, there's I call it the, the grain out. of yeah. the grain of sand theory where at least there's one grain of sand in the whole desert that like is good in each movie, whether mm-hmm. it's the smallest line of dialogue or the single moment or a, an effect that you love, even if it's the worst movie in the world, you can find something good about it. Um, and this movie has like a lot of those sprinkled throughout, but they just gets kind of sidelined by some of the, the lines like uh, the like Dorian's lines. <laughs> the movie's only 110 minutes. It's 10 minutes shy of two hours. Um, oh, and, and guess what? They spend 25 yeah. of those minutes on the boat. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I, I, I actually kept track. I'm like, they, they, <laughs> they, they, they take two voyages 
for a total of 25 minutes of the movie. It feels longer. It honestly does. That that really surprises yeah. me. Yeah. Um, while on the boat, uh, this is just a quick note that like I just saw while I was scrolling through this. Um, one of my favorite shots in this whole movie is Sean Connery having to mime kicking an invisible man's ass. <laughs> like it's it's the best. He just like like fake grabs the air and like throws him out yeah. of his room. Was paid handsomely for it. eighteen million dollars. You're like, I'm stay out. It's it's great. <laughs> uh, so like the 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 bombs go off. The Nautilus is damaged, but then it doesn't matter. And <laughs> and they go today. to Mongolia, where they reunite with Skinner, and um and they're like, well, if you weren't like a, the spy, why did you run off? And he's like, are you kidding me? I'm an invisible thief. Like, of course I left you guys immediately because I knew. As soon as stuff started going down, I would be the person with the most suspicion. So I went to work. You're welcome, which I liked. I, I really, I love Skinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're out in the snow, like you said earlier. He's freezing his everything off. And just as every anime has a beach episode, every adventure movie of this time has a snow scene. Yeah, like we have to have like some sort of yeah. like frozen whatever. And even matching snow coats. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, that was good. <laughs> I liked that. I'm, I'm a big fan of just like, you know wardrobe in these movies well that just goes to show like like captain Nemo, he has everything on this boat he's got an entire yeah. like if you whatever you need he's got it i really wish that like if this movie had been good i would have loved like what would have been really cool here's here's an idea okay so all of these characters are basically in the public domain <coughs> rodney skinner <laughs> <laughs> How fun would it be if, let's say, that we did, like, a reverse Avengers. Let's do League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Let's say that it's amazing mm-hmm. and it's really good. And now let's go and do prequels of, I would have loved to have seen the 2,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Uh, 20,000 20, Leagues 000. Under the Sea. I was going to say, what's 2,000? Um, <laughs> a little shorter. Uh, I would have loved to have seen 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea set in this universe with these this technology and this design and this Nemo um, and I would have loved to have seen uh, like a couple of these different movies that had or like or those kind of literary things where instead of doing like a dark universe we're doing like the English literature universe that's set around this like do a couple of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen but the spinoff movies are just book adaptations like that would have been that would have mm-hmm. been something interesting, but instead we got this. And, <laughs> uh, so so they get to the they get to the factory with all of the bad stuff happening, and they find out oh my god, like all this stuff that he could have gotten from us separately and saved himself a bunch of time uh, was stolen from us when we were together. But now we're together and we can beat him up. He's stolen us and we've let him. Yeah, I just, I, that's, why, <laughs> that's a good one too. <laughs> it's like that's not thieving works. So you don't let someone; they just do it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but do you, do you not know how stealing works? <laughs> they they get there and they start fighting like the opposite versions of themselves. Like Hyde fights like a CGI like Mega Hyde. Uh, we have M's Skinner plan. fighting an invisible person. Yeah. M's plan is to get together a bunch of technology and super power stuff and then sell that to like the different armies of the world and his whole point is there's a lot of money to be made in a world war and everyone's like a world war that's crazy because 
um, we in the audience were supposed to have a light chuckle at mm-hmm. the uh, the fact that it's like, haha, we had two of those oh, atrocities. Oh, yeah, you're you're so quaint. Yeah, it's yeah. so quaint to think that like, oh, no one would do that. Haha, we did it twice. Um, so uh, Quartermain and Sawyer confront M. And Quartermain just kind of goes like, you know, I've been thinking about this for a while, so I'm just going to say this right now. Are you James Moriarty? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, out, of, yes. <laughs> out of nowhere. It's me, the arch-villain to Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes died, but I'm still here. It was like <laughs> one of those reveals when like, he says it, and you go, oh, I called that. But you didn't, but you did. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, but of course we're doing that. But it's a but... hat on a hat, and it's so... Mm-hmm. Yeah dumb because we're revealing four different things it's like if this were let's say that this was a spider-man movie okay and we were to do like so venom's there and venom like shows up and they're like who's venom and venom's just but venom like sounds scary and looks scary but he's really just walking into the room and telling you like you know, we could be better together and I'm going to beat you up. And then Spider-Man goes, no, you're not. And he goes, oh, probably not. And then runs away. And then let's say that they rip off Venom's symbiote suit. And he says, oh my God, it's the Green Goblin. The Green Goblin, it, Venom is the Green Goblin. And then they get to the thing. He's like, I think I figured out who the Green Goblin is. And then they pull off his mask and it's the devil. Just the <laughs> straight up like cartoon devil. Because that's the level of what's going on here. It's like two different villains. Yeah. And then also like a hilariously like top villain in literature. <laughs> I'm, I was waiting for, for him to – for Richard Roxborough to finally say, I would like you to call me by my birth name, Adolf Hitler. Yeah, basically. <laughs> or or to have him just say like, oh, I've got to go meet my son. Uh, he's He's at like an art college in Poland. And I uh, and I'm supporting him right now. Like it, like it feels so. Doll it stupid. feels so on the nose that they might as well have had like a bunch of clone bats that had like Putin and right and uh, Mussolini and everybody in there. It's it's so. And I and I understand that that's kind of the point to this, but the problem is where that where the original comic embraces that pulpy nature, and it's supposed to be like. Yeah, it's the the joke of it is that this is happening. Instead, because this movie tries to come in and go like, no, it's extreme and it's cool, and we're going to um, we're going to initial it LXG like on all of our uh, <laughs> on, pl- on all of our postcards, and you'll see how cool it is, and it's real and it's cool. And then it's like snidely whiplash shit is happening. It's mm-hmm. it, it doesn't fit its tone at all because they're not committing to the tone that made this work and so it doesn't but this is the big the big versus part of the movie where you've got like an invisible man fighting an invisible man which actually like, didn't look bad yeah. ish like it wasn't the worst uh, he gets, he gets, uh, except except for the floating knife oh the floating yeah. knife well, which was hilarious and I, I loved it and he was like being when Tom Sawyer's being chased around by a floating life, knife I was like well that, this that is part. Yeah, but, like, not good it's <laughs> a floating knife making, ah, I, guess I'm, I'm, I guess I'm I'm trying to be positive about certain things because there was, like, there, then you also have like the the fire effects in this film where like the very first one was like a jiffy pop like 
effect. Oh yeah, and it's, then we it's like rotoscoped over the. Well, yeah, we get building. progressively better, and then we are like, oh no, wait, the fire effects are too good. We got to back it off, and then we got like Skinner being lit on fire, which is supposed to be concerning and upsetting, but it just looks absolutely ridiculous. Which brings me to more questions about how his invisibility works because yeah. he gets like what looks like third degree burns. That's what like, I really said. Like bad. And we can see the burns. Yeah. But they, you can see them, and they're there, and you can see a scorched flesh and exposed bone. Like, I swear there's bone in it. It might not be. But you you see it happen, and he's crispy. And then, like, the next time they show him, he's perfectly fine. And does it mean that it is his skin that is what makes him invisible? And if you were to take that off, it wouldn't be? Well, first, but, first and I'm going to put more thought into I this swear. again than they put into it, but I think hmm. that, like, maybe maybe like his skin is beginning to slough off and that's why it's no longer part of his anatomy. I don't know. Mm. But then like, would, but then also be interesting, when we though. see him later, he's, he's not entirely fine. He has um, the bandages, which I actually did have a moment of like, well, that's kind of fun. That's kind of cool. Okay. Like well, we're, we're giving doing a, the invisible we're giving man. A wink, reason, wink. Yeah, wink, that's wink, true. A reason that's, for the bandages. True. But again, it's one of those things where you're like, do we need a reason for the bandages? But that's okay. Like, I feel fine. like that that was written in the script and then nobody knew or remembered that that's what happened in the original, in the original invisible man. And someone pointed out that, that later where it's like, Oh, it's cool that you did the Easter egg of like, he's wearing bandages now. And he goes, Oh yeah. I, I guess the book does end like yeah, that. Yeah. I didn't think that. I just figured he would be wearing bandages. <laughs> we totally meant to do that. Yeah. Um, so James Moriarty goes to run away just to close out like how this how this ends and then we can uh like like still be able to talk without having to worry about like the the paper thin plot that this is um so moriarty is like it's me moriarty and he goes and run away um quartermain's like i'm suddenly dying uh i can't take this shot tom sawyer you're now my spirit son can't do it and he the big triumphant moment of this movie is that tom sawyer like kills this dude in cold blood from like like a thousand yards away. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, I shot him. <laughs> and we have one more like kind of amazing line, like, may this new century be yours, son, as the old one was mine. Which like is Which a is hell good. of a good line, but I don't mm-hmm. know if it's deserved. But I guess well, that's that's probably something that Alan Moore wrote that they're like that's good, and I assume every one of these good lines is like lifted directly from yeah. the, the original mm-hmm. source. Um. So that happens. They all take his body back to Kenya and, uh, and they bury him. And we have like this, uh, somewhat heartfelt scene where, um, uh, Tom Sawyer puts down his rifle because he was like, Oh, I promised him I'd give him one of these rifles. And somebody basically says like, Hey, um, do you guys remember how he vaguely mentioned that a witch doctor blessed him from saving a village? And promised him that uh, Africa would never die. And it was like, yeah. Oh, well. And they walk away. And suddenly <laughs> we get like a U2 music video <laughs> with the witch doctor flipping out and like the clouds moving really fast. And then lightning striking the uh, the the rifle. And then the movie's just over. But yeah. it's whether or not to imply um, Quartermain uh, comes back, which I'm sure is what they're trying to say. 
um, which is hilarious for them to assume that Sean Connery would make another one of these. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is actually his last live action role. Really? He yeah. Did, he does over stuff afterwards. This is it. He he had such a terrible time doing this. Oh uh, the director even had such a terrible time making this movie that he just like retired from just the film industry in general because he mostly did special effects before this and like a handful of smaller I movies. You saying that after we finished, this is it. this is the fourth movie he ever made, and everyone was just like that was terrible, and they just all quit. Well, I feel like mm. it had like I, I guess they had to if they wanted out because I feel like we get. Africa won't let Quartermain die, and neither would the studio if the franchise had taken off. Like, <laughs> it would have been locked into this shit. I, I guess the only thing that would have worked would be if they had uh, if they had resurrected him and he was, like, de-aged or something, and they brought in someone else to play a young yeah. Quartermain. What, what, what if the lightning hit him and he crawled out of the grave and it's Pierce Brosnan? Oh, hell. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want. That would be pretty great. I feel like it ends on a good note, though. I mean, like we've we've switched from hiding from the past to embracing the future. We end on a funeral, as most superhero movies do. I don't know. And it 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 did seem to imply that they were going to stick together as a group and uh, right. go uh, touring about on the Nautilus. So that was kind of cool. That that would have been interesting. I would have been fine with if this had done well and was well. It's not. The idea is a sound one. There's a reason why this uh, idea took off so hard and was such a popular comic book. The idea is really cool. Mm-hmm. It's really cool to just go through and be like, what if all these people live together? What if, like, Zorro was high-fiving, uh, like, um, Inspector Pierrot? Like, who cares? Like, it's such a It's such a cool idea to go through and do this sort of thing and make like an Avenger style mishmash of, mm-hmm. of things like that. It's just the problem is that I feel like that they took that idea and they tried to fit it into like the, the kind of cookie cutter, like blockbuster come together action movies yeah. that we were doing from like mid nineties. Oh, to please hashtag release the Snyder cut of league of extraordinary. Oh Jones. yeah. Four <laughs> hours. Uh, please. I would watch make that. It, Two of the hours are just the Nautilus. <laughs> Ironically, I picked this one because uh, because the Snyder Cut was coming out, and I was like, "Oh, that would be a funny cheeky thing." But um, like, it would be a funny cheeky thing to do that and like watch this league instead. Uh, just uh, uh, quickly on that note, I just wanted to say because we both talked about this, I, I'm amazed at uh, at how good that was. Like we were just like, oh, let's watch a little bit of it and then we'll come back to it. But like yeah. we ended up being locked down into our seats what, watching the, the entire cut? yeah. Oh my all goodness. All four hours. Oh my goodness. It's stupid how good it is. I, I agree. Yeah, I I've I watched it twice. Yeah. I, I really want to go back now. Like I have been thinking about it a lot. Um I'll because probably it truly do that. was like most of the movie was missing. Yeah. Was, and that's what it had felt like, and it was good to have it back. And that time. movie, like the Snyder cut and the original cut of Justice League um, proves also what this movie proves, which is that the action doesn't really matter. I mean, it's nice. It's Mm -hmm. cool. It's it's fun to look at or whatever, but you're not going to care 
unless like you're given a reason to, you got to like feel like that these people want something. And in this, I don't even feel like the villain wanted something. <laughs> yeah. He did. And he had a plan, but I, I didn't care. Like the villain would show up in the scenes that he showed up in and I would just go, okay, this is the part of the movie where he shows back up again. I'm not like, I'm not interested in, Oh, what could he be doing next? What's his plan? Because his plan was that she shows up and he's like, I'm going to start a war mayhem. Yeah. And that's <laughs> I was gonna, the reason I asked you what M's plan was earlier, because I literally looked at my notes for what it was. And I, I wrote, M's plan is vague, creating copies of the League and of the Nautilus too. I don't know or care. Start a war or something. <laughs> like I, and as he was explaining it, I was just like, "This is very, very clunky," and I'm very confused. Yeah, it's man, it's it's such a mixed bag. Uh, do we do we recommend this? <laughs> I would recommend it only if you know if it's a like a like a rainy crappy Sunday afternoon and there's nothing else on and you're flipping channels and you come across it. it it's probably good to you know it, it's probably one of those movies that you could like skip past a lot of stuff and just watch some of the cooler fight scenes and then you know it, or if you're you know if if you're really into Sean Connery i mean if you're a completist maybe yeah but i i you know i i would cautiously recommend it or just i wouldn't recommend devoting an evening to it i think that no. you're completely correct no this isn't like a your plan for tonight is to watch this movie right what if if you can watch it for free don't don't do what i did <laughs> don't don't go buy it. <laughs> Absolutely. Watch it for free. Um, if, if this was like on FX and this was something that they played on FX a lot, whenever, mm-hmm. uh, whenever it came out, I, I feel like I would be okay with like, if I'm doing housework and when the commercials come on and I flip to another channel to watch something else and then come back and realize I missed like a chunk of what was happening in the movie, uh, like trying to avoid a commercial, but like wouldn't care. Like it's that kind of, you know what I mean? Like, it's like a, you're, you have a fever and you're eating soup and you're drifting in and out of a nap <laughs> while watching daytime TV kind of movie. Well, and that's what I mean. It's like, I, I would recommend this as, as a, as a, a feel good movie. I don't know. As like, kind of like that, that brand of Mac and cheese movie I was talking about is it's definitely, like I said, it's cheesy it might not be the best for you, but it's it's a romp. There are, there are good moments. It, it you know you're allowed to you're allowed to like a bad movie mm-hmm. or I wouldn't even call this a bad movie. I just think that it's you know a movie that perhaps didn't realize its its full potential, and and that's okay. Sometimes those are the best movies to watch because you can imagine what it what it could have been, and sometimes that's frustrating, and sometimes that's fun. It's a, yeah. it's a mixed bag. I would love to see someone take another shot at this, whether or not it ends up being like a, um, a mini series, a TV series, or like a, a movie movie. Mm-hmm. It's the, the idea is good. The comics are, if, if I had to recommend this, I would recommend read, read the books. The, the, the comic graphic novels are excellent. I, um, you have a great time. Yeah. But, I was, I was actually yeah. just about to say, I was going to recommend, at least the first volume, I know for a fact, you can 
read it for free on Comixology. Yes. Like the entire first volume uh, that I think this is the, the movie was based on. You can, you could read the source material and it's wildly different. Um, and, and that's in that it's good. <laughs> they were eventually considering doing a sequel to this. That would have been um, an adaptation of the second volume of the comic, mm-hmm. which is, um, them fighting the Martian tripods from War of the Worlds. Oh wow! Which is great. Like the ideas in this series are excellent. Yeah. See, I think I would be. I think I would be just enamored with the um with the books. I just had not. Yeah. You know. And Mina's like the main character. Like yeah. yeah. Oh, the, yeah. I read the books very late in my life, and so um, I'm not always up and up on uh, certain series. But this has been one that I've been really intrigued by for a long time with the movie, and and now going to kind of do it backwards and i'm i'm very interested to see mm-hmm. what the books are like yeah if 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 nothing else watching this has renewed my interest in rereading the series um i think there are like five or six volumes total i've only read the first yeah and three. there's also spinoffs like but i'm yeah. not sure if they're collected into one volume or if that's like their own thing yeah but uh, yeah, I would highly recommend to anybody uh, to to read the uh, the source material. Certainly. Um, I just uh, I was looking over my notes, and is it okay if I read one or two notes that I thought that you would enjoy? Oh sure. Uh, for both of you, uh, one the dusty wound effects on Dorian is a fun idea. I, I thought that was neat. That like even though he's immortal and like mm. he's essentially. A, a, a dirt corpse like dirt whenever corpse. his his body reheals and stuff it's literally man. just like yeah, dirt corpse um the the note that i wrote that i was very proud of was tom sawyer showing up to prevent a world war proves this universe is america gives more of a shit than ours did in both world wars <laughs> like they just in this universe america gets the whiff of conflict in europe and they're like we gotta do something and which is uh, which is great, um, and uh, I already said about uh, Sean Connery kicking an invisible man's butt. Uh, the Nautilus's size changes from shot to shot, which is really confusing because when we're we're kind of implying that the Nautilus is enormous, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's it's enormous. We're getting full like larger than like. Uh, like Das Boot, like the Widowmaker or whatever. Um, and yet it's like nimbly going through like the Venice. Canals. Oh yeah. Like how did it fit through the canals of Venice? That's what I, yeah. It, that, that was something that drove me insane because I was staring minutely at the Nautilus every time it showed up because it was gorgeous. And, uh, so, so there was that, um, I have a section of this that's just uh, the Phantom is not a compelling villain at all. We don't really know his motivation. He doesn't look cool. He's not threatening. And I honestly don't care about him. I forget about him entirely unless he's immediately on screen. And even then, I'm just bored and annoyed. <laughs> and uh, and it looks like that they're building Minecraft characters as robots. Uh, that's a that's <laughs> a very small thing that I actually did mention, uh, wanted to mention um, very quickly before we wrap this thing up with a big weird bow um so everybody uh is being copied for Mm -hmm. these 
for for this uh, army that for this um, Avon kit. Also, he has this like sample. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, he's just sending like these got- multiple marketing. He's like, I think you'll like this. Like, hey, ever excuse me, he's going- Germany. I know that we haven't talked since high school, but I've got this excellent, <laughs> I've got this excellent way to make money from your home. He's you'll going door to door like Mary Kay. <laughs> And each one of these comes with three months of Spotify. Trust me, you're gonna love it. I'll figure it out. But Moriarty calling. Yeah, uh, you can so, you can you can be your own boss. Just get three of your friends to sell this kit. Three of your favorite nations to buy this kit, and we'll we'll build you an army. But he makes he makes a version of everybody for this army. We have the technology, the invisible people, the giant people, um, and then we also have like basically just iron man like the mark one iron man suits like mm-hmm. we get people in suits of armor with flamethrowers on them and that's just for no reason they're not explained they're not really they don't yeah. show up earlier in the movie they don't show up afterwards we don't go oh this is a corruption of nemo's technology or whatever they're like also here's here's some iron men <laughs> uh well, well that's it well the thing that just occurred to me is they clearly had technology prior to getting Nebo's technology because in the very beginning of the movie, they had that tank. Yeah. So that's that's something that I was trying to figure out because um, technically that particular style of tank is uh, based off of a Da Vinci design. And then they use a Da Vinci design to break into a bank to steal Da Vinci designs and and my brain is melting. <laughs> okay, so that's the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. It's a- <laughs> um, it. Um. Oh boy, it's a version. It's a, a version. version. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's it's dumb, but it's fun. Uh, it wanes real terribly by the end, and kind of becomes boring nonsense, and never quite commits to itself. But, I feel like I could never watch it again and be fine, but also us talking about it makes me want to watch it, so I'm at yeah. like this weird in between. <laughs> yeah, I would. Uh, I'm also fine with if I never see it again, but also if it's playing at like a dentist's office, like while I'm I waiting. We're gonna say at a Denny's. Well, like, why <laughs> yeah, you know, you know those those Denny's TVs that they have now. Oh, if there's ever a Denny's of movies, it's this is it. I was literally gonna <laughs> say Denny's of movies. That's a note to mm-hmm. end on. I'm like, okay. Uh, so that was my choice, and of course, how this works is every uh, every episode that we do ends with um, the other host surprising the the other host <laughs> with uh, what we're going to be subjected to this month. Uh, so, Dan, uh, what are your thoughts? What are you thinking? What have you got for us? Well, I was inspired by the recent announcement by the steel city con that they are hosting guest celebrity reb brown really yes uh he's been in a lot of movies but he was also in he was the title character in the 1979 made for tv movie captain america oh man uh, here's here's something that's really strange that I'm gonna have to check out with my uh, with my mom because she knows it. <laughs> there, I am related to one of the made-for-TV Captain Americas, like distant. Oh, like, I, like, I remember you mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know who it is. 
I don't know if it's him or from Captain America 2 or the 1990s one, but that's – I'm excited. Is that on YouTube or how am I going to find this? Well, okay, so I don't know if it's if it's anywhere. I actually, a couple of years ago, in a thrift store, I found a um, a two-DVD two set of both Captain America 70s movies. That's amazing. So I will, I'll tell you what, if you cannot find it anywhere, let me know and I will mail you the DVD after I watch <laughs> it. I am going to uh, take a very quick moment and I'll, uh, I have, um, I feel like it's yeah. gotta be somewhere, but if you can't find it, I'll make sure that you get to see it. I, I very much appreciate it. I'm, I'm very excited for this because, uh, is is this the one with the uh, the plastic see through shield? I believe so, and it's instead of like a mask, he wears a motorcycle helmet. Yeah, and and uh, the he, he's his outfit kind of looks more like Evil Can Evil than Captain America. Yeah, it's, it's really good. This was this was the heyday of of the uh, motorcycle daredevils. So yeah. I think I feel like there's a lot of motorcycle stunt work in this. So I'm excited. I'm a I. I I'm a, I'm a child of the seventies. So, I mean, granted I would have only been six when this came out. So I probably didn't watch it, but I, I, I kind of love almost all things seventies. So I'm really excited to, uh, kind of go back in time on this one. I'm excited. I almost want to, because of this preemptively choose that, my choice on like for the episode after that would be uh, its sequel, just because I think it's got the greatest title of all time, which is Captain oh. America Two: Death Too Soon. That's you know, we well, hey, what does that mean? <laughs> there's there's nothing saying we can't do a double feature. Do we want to do that? I mean, maybe not for the not in the same episode, but I mean, we could do. Yeah. Uh, hey, it's our show. We make the rules. We absolutely. There's no rules except the ones we make ourselves. Mm -hmm. There's just the only rule is to suffer. Uh, (laughs) Like sometimes. Uh, Well, uh, I want to. I want to thank our guest uh, for showing up on um, what I'm sure will be future uh, future appearances as well. Come back anytime, please. Thank you. Well, anytime I get to talk about comics and literary characters and make some jabs and, and some positive comments, I'm, well, I'm down. You live in my house, so this at least saves us from like you hearing me recording upstairs and texting me like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, as always, thank you so much for listening to us uh, jabber on about this movie with issues and many of them. Uh <laughs> Thanks for listening and bomb voyage. Yes. <laughs> I, I can't believe I literally wrote down a note for that to remember uh, to, to ask you about that because I'm so interested. What's the what's the scene that you remembered? being in this movie that didn't happen in this movie. Okay, so the scene I remember is when, I think it was the first voyage when they were on the Nautilus, when uh, Alan Quartermain and Tom Sawyer were on the deck target shooting. 
And uh, Sawyer says to Quartermain, did you teach your son to shoot like this? And that set Quartermain off, or he, he walked away in silence or whatever because the memory of his dead son. And um, it's probably not going to make a whole lot of sense for the listeners, but you guys were on video, so I can show you. So after uh, Quartermain walks away and Sawyer feel, you know, he obviously feels bad about, you know, what he said. Now, in the in the movie that I saw, you see Sawyer from a distance, and he puts his kind of he puts his hands over the the barrel of the rifle, and he just looks out at like over the ocean, you know, deep in thought, whatever. This is the the streaming version we just watched. Yeah, and and the theatrical version that I saw, I swear to God, he took the 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 barrel of the rifle, the business end where the bullets come out. And he, like, and and you saw him like close up, and he's so distraught over what he said that he actually goes like this. No. Oh my God! No, this is weird because That's, I remember that shot exactly. His head, his forehead, on the barrel of the rifle, the business end where yes. the bullets come out, and in the theater, it, it erupted into laughter. Because you don't put your forehead on the on on at the end of a loaded rifle, unless swear, you're Tom Sawyer. Apparently, no, that, this is this is like completely like shattering me right now because I swear to God I remember this too. Like, but that shot of like the uh, yeah like, it might be from a different movie. I don't know, but like it's that's very clear. That's hearing, very strange. Hearing about it makes it sound familiar, but I don't think I saw it. I think that I'm just. I think they reshot it because. Like I said, the version we saw was, I think we saw an early screening. Wow. And they must have reshot it. Or maybe they had another, they had different footage that they could spl- that they spliced in or edited in or something. Because what I watched was a, you know, again, like I said, it was Sawyer gazing out over the ocean. Um, but instead of putting his forehead on at the end of the rifle, he just kind of rested his, his, which is still not safe. I feel like he, yeah. he rested his, his hands over the end of the barrel, which I guess is a little bit better than your forehead. But yeah, only comparatively. Oh, boy. <laughs> so that was that was the, the 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 scene. That was the scene that I saw in the theater, at least the one that lives in my in my memories, but the but was not in the. Uh, the final version. That's bizarre. So, huh? That was it. Okay. I wonder if that still shows up on like the TV versions or whatever. But that's that's I very. Strange. I'd be I'd be interested. I might uh might do a little bit of internet sleuthing and see if I can see if it comes up anywhere or if it's just uh, like I said if it just lives in my imagination. Well, thank you for clearing up that memory for us. <laughs> no problem. Happy to do it. Ha, ha, ha.